Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Kevin Mosenzade. I'm Grant Rollins. And I'm Justin Robertson. At the bottom of the hour, we'll be speaking with Jeffrey R. I'm sorry, Jeffrey M. Roth, who is the new vice president and chief development officer of the Damien Center. The Damien Center is Indiana's largest HIV care and prevention agency. But first, tonight, I'm Blooming Out, we are featuring two stories. The first one involves a florist from Avon, Indiana, who refused to sell flowers to a gay couple for their wedding. The second story happened in Tennessee to a single gay father of two young sons. The family's vehicle sustained heavy damage that included derogatory words scratched into the paint. Sadly, across the United States, these behaviors have become more common over the past several years. Hate crimes have been on the rise in America, in 2017, the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism showed that hate crimes rose 12% over 2016 levels in 38 of the largest cities. The most frequently targeted groups in 2016, according to the FBI, were African Americans, lesbians, gays and bisexuals, Jews, Latinos, and Muslims. Consequently, or not, hate crimes more than doubled the day after the 2016 election, with a 92% spike in average daily hate crimes in the two weeks following the election compared to the daily average from the beginning of the year. Now, let's take it over to Frankie, who interviewed David Elliott, one of the gentlemen who was refused service by Rita Harris, the owner of Avon Florist. Gay couple says they were turned away by florists in Indiana. A florist in Avon, Indiana, refused to sell wedding flowers to a gay couple, according to one of the men. Davy El- Elliott says he and his fiance, Daniel Collins, were refused service when the shop owner realized the wedding didn't include a bride. She said, what, would, what do you need? And I said, I need two boutonnieres. Um, she then said, what does the bride need? And I said, well, there is no bride. And she said, well, then I'm going on vacation, and I can't help you. Uh, I then said, okay. And I I walked out. Avon Flowers owner Rita Harris disputes Elliot's version of events. She denied telling him it was because he and his fiance are gay gay couple. I never said that to him, she told the LGBTQ Nation in an interview. What I said to him was that it conflicted with a vacation I have planned, and I wasn't taking any more orders. I'm not planning to take any more weddings requests because I'm planning to retire, she said. The shop's website advertises a wide selection of bridal banquets, wedding ceremony, flowers, floral cakes, decorations, and centerpieces currently available. There is no mention of the service not being offered any longer. Harris said she would not comment any further. Elliot insists that Harris' stories meant to cover up for her decision not to serve the couple. 
She only declined after I told her there was no bride. Everybody has their beliefs, uh, and you can believe whatever you want to believe, but uh, if you're working for the public and in the public, you should be able to set those aside for the public and for your job. Elliot says he doesn't plan on taking this further. It's not worth it. I just want friends and family not to be hurt by it, he said. Hi, David. Um, I'm with David Elliott. Uh, He and his partner, Daniel Collins, were refused service when the shop owner realized the wedding he was ordering flowers for was not including a bride, but was actually for two gentlemen. David, could you, uh, for one, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm well. Uh, uh, It's different having all these people asking questions, but yeah, I'm doing well. So have you been getting a lot of media attention from this? Uh, Not a lot. Uh, Just a lot of uh, outpouring of support right. um, from people we don't know and people all over. Yeah. Right. So why don't you tell me um, kind of what happened and, and how this uh, led up to us finding you? Okay. Uh, this past Thursday, I walked into a florist, uh, interested in some flowers, um, started talking uh, to a uh, worker as, as I walked in, and she asked what she could help me with. I started looking for flowers for my wedding. Um, she then told me I needed to talk to the owner. Um, so I waited, uh, and the owner came forward, um, and asked when the wedding was, and I said, August 18th. Um, and she said, okay. And I said, that works for you. And she agreed. And then, uh, she asked me what I needed. And I said, I needed two boutonnieres. Um, as, uh, after that, she said, um, and what will the bride need? And I said, there isn't one. And she said, okay, well then I'm going on vacation. Uh, and I kind of just looked at her, uh, puzzled, and, and I, I hung my head, and I walked out, and I said, okay. Um, after that, I got on um, Facebook, and I just, uh, I, I wanted to write a post, uh, not saying that necessarily she's wrong in how she feels, uh, although I do believe she is, uh, but that she's wrong in refusing me service um, because I don't have a bride. Um because it's me and my, my fiancé. Um, so put that out there, and that's, I'm going to guess how you found me. Right. So, yeah, so um, queer, our LGBTQ uh, nation actually had, had picked it up. And, yeah, so I, I was uh, getting news feeds, and, and there it was. And then I saw it was uh, here in our own state in Avon, Indiana, and, you know, thought this, you know, get your perspective on it. I actually um, had uh, called uh, her uh and, and wanted to get a uh, a quote to see if she would go on and make a statement. And when I had asked her initially, she didn't want to talk, but then uh, we talked for a few minutes later, and I had said to her, um, you know, she was saying, well, I'm, I'm retiring, and I um, am also going on vacation. And I said to her then, um, after you know, we spoke for a little bit. I said, if you could answer a yes or no, I said, if you weren't going on a vacation and you were still doing weddings, um, yes or no, would you do a, uh, a, a gay wedding? And she, her statement was, uh, no comment. And she hung up the phone. Um, so we can kind of guess whatever we want from, from, from that. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's sad and frustrating to, to find out that people are willing to, you know, still discriminate. Um, and when, you know, it's, it's when two individuals are, are, are conducting business, um, it's a win-win for everybody. And, uh, you know, you weren't inviting this individual 
to your wedding, <laughs> I'm assuming. Right. Um, and you were just asking her to uh, provide flowers. Um, so when you got home and you talked to your fiancé, Daniel, about it, how did that conversation go? Um, so uh, we kind of have a running joke between the two of us that um, I'm the head and he's the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he took it a little more personally, uh, and I'm not. I, I don't blame him. I I took it personal, but I also know there's just some bad people out there. Um, so um, we we talked about it, and, and we realized that you know this is something that um, we had a choice to either be quiet and say nothing and just let it go, or kind of try to help our community. Um, just in a little way of letting people know where not to go and kind of stay away from. Right. Um, and that's what we want, chose to do. Is We're not looking to bash her. We're not looking for her to close her business, although she claims she's retiring. Um, we just don't want anybody who is already feeling maybe slightly awkward or overwhelmed about planning a wedding or something to go in and, and have someone tell you no. Um, a wedding is a, a big part of your life. Um, and to have someone tell you, no, your wedding, I, I can't help you with your wedding because of who you are, uh, you know, it, it takes a little bit of a toll on you, no matter who you are. Um, so we just wanted to let people know in our community and people who believe in equality, uh, you know, don't don't shop here um, because she's not going to help you. Right. So how about with, and are you from Avon, actually? Um, I work in, a, I, I grew up in Avon. Um, I've since moved away. I live in Indianapolis, uh, but I still work in Avon. Okay, so that's why you were uh, basically going to. That's, that's why I was there. Um, this same person uh, provided the corsage and boutonniere for my prom. Oh wow! So she um, knew you from. She doesn't know me. Uh, I'm 30 now. Okay. So it's been some years since my prom. Right. Um, but she, you know. It, it was the fact that I didn't have a bride right. that made her stop, you know, not want to make me flowers. So did her entire demeanor change at that point, or was it just kind of uh, matter of fact when you had It said... was matter of fact. And and at that point you chose not to continue with the conversation and just walk out? Um, I, I, I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, me, you know, causing a ruckus isn't going to help anything. Right. Um, yeah, I just chose to, to walk out. Um, and let it be. Okay. So do you think she's surprised by, I guess, you know, some media has followed up, I'm assuming, from the tone of her voice when I had called her, um, about the reaction that this actually, you know, was picked up and, and people are actually yeah. concerned about it? I don't think she expected me to say anything. Um, I think she thought she would just go back to her day and continue making flowers. Mm-hmm. Um Right. And I think that happens a lot, you know, when people have these, you know, feelings, you know, discriminative feelings against people. They don't realize, you know, it's not such a small box that, you know, people are can actually uh, have other outlets to express their frustrations and um, displeasure with with businesses or individuals. And you chose to go to the, you know, uh, you know, put it on social media. And obviously, uh, a lot of people had seen it and and had some reaction and sounds like a lot of support on your side. Uh, overwhelmingly, um, we have been supported. Um, the thing that, um, leaves me in awe is we've had, luckily for us, we've not had one negative comment about who we are as people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that can be considered as bad is people support her right to refuse. Um, but other than that, nothing about us or our lifestyle, which um, if you've lived in Indiana and you know Indiana is a huge step for Indiana mm-hmm. um, or anywhere in America. Um, but it, it's a big step, and that is what I'm going to take away from this. Um, on, ooh, I'm going to get teary On my wedding day, I will remember everybody who had an angry face or had a thumbs up or sent love to us and told us, it's what you're doing is right. Um, it, it made us feel really good about it um, because that, you know, that is what a marriage is. It's love, and, and that's what we should all feel and, and accept in everyone is that we're all just, everyone's looking for love. Right. And not to allow someone like uh, this individual to actually, you know, put a damper within your wedding because in the end, I guess, you know, on on the flip side of of something that was very negative, um, you know, a lot of wonderful people shined through and and gave you encouragement and sent lots of love and and definitely um, celebrated the two of your your marriage and honor it. And it's, you know, things like that, but it's just, you know, a shame that we live in a culture where people feel that, you know, they're entitled to judge one another person um, one way or another. I mean, you know, if you get into kind of just the philosophy of or the idea of, of, of marriage, there's a lot of religions and um, there's a lot of beliefs. Um, and I'm sure if she sat through and did her little checklist of the marriages that she uh, supported, she might do a double take and, you know, if it would go along with her religious principles as well. And it's just, you know, it, it's you know, people pick and choose. Um, and obviously this is a, a hot topic. So tell me about uh, your um, – uh, about uh, Daniel and yourself as far as uh, – how long have you guys been together and, and how long has this wedding been uh, – and plan. Um, so we've actually known each other. Like I said, I'm 31. We've known each other since I was 18. Uh-huh. Um, it's been years of crossing paths and it not being the right time. Um, but we've been together over a year now. Um, and we've, uh, became engaged on Christmas. Uh, and then, uh, I got some older family and I want them to be there. So we kind of made it a quick engagement and quick wedding. Um, but we live together and he is honestly my best friend. Um, I, through all this, he's kept me, uh, my spirits high about it. And, um, and I really appreciate everything he's done. And, uh, we just have a great partnership and friendship that, uh, we're, we can't wait to get married here in 28 days. That's, that's beautiful. Are you guys planning a, uh, a honeymoon anywhere? Or are you going to put that off for a little bit? A lot of people do. We're going to put that off for a minute. Uh, planning a wedding has kind of wore me out. Uh, <laughs> I'm a quiet guy. Uh, I like to be home and, and settled and uh-huh. just kind of in a routine. So we're going to put that off probably till first of next year just to, to get our roots settled and where we want to be and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you were able to, um, you know, spin this out and, and, and have, you know, so much positivity, so much positivity, tis, I can't talk today. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're with, very positive. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> um, feedback from um, so many people, you know, this could just had been an event that this, you know, turned things sour. 
and you know make it the focus and it's you know your your positive outlook and and the two of you it shows how deep your love is that you're going to get past this and it'll be a story hopefully in the past that uh you know every you know it, it takes a push sometimes to 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 get to where you need to be and um you know for you guys to be able to to be here right now is is isn't is just hats off to you on, on that. Um, I really thank you for uh, coming on with us and, and talking a little bit about um, yourselves in this incident. And um, we appreciate, uh, you know, your, your time. No problem. Thank you very much for having us on and communicating with us. The, the support is huge and we greatly appreciate Please do not touch that dial while we take a few minutes to enjoy some music from our featured artist this week. I make a frown. I always wear it upside down. Cause life is carnage. I once was lost, but now I'm floundering. And running away for my funerary date. Burn me later. Could you smile while you Welcome back to Blooming Out. You were just listening to I'm Blessed by Speedy Ortiz. 
Up next, we will be talking to Michael Quinton, the gay father of two young boys who had his car destroyed and vandalized with a mission to intimidate him. Here's the story. Gay dad's family car vandalized with homophobic slur in Tennessee. Michael Quinton, a gay man living in Dandridge, Tennessee, had just arrived home on July 6th when he noticed the damage done to his car. This level of hate should not happen. Even if you're a bad person, this kind of stuff shouldn't happen to you. His tires were slashed, the car seats sliced, the radio rendered useless by a sharp object. My first reaction was a flood of every emotion, he said. Angry, mad, sad, disheartened. A physical vandalism, however, was nothing compared to the emotional damage inflicted by the next part of the crime, the word etched into the side of his car. Michael was clearly the intended target of the crime. He was particularly worried about how the incident might affect his two sons, Blake and Clayton, whom he had adopted with his ex-husband. At the moment, I didn't want them to see the vehicle or the words carved in. Michael called the experiencing eye-opening. And we just need to love each other more. Because at the end of the day, love wins, right? That's been my message all along the past couple of weeks. That I try to deliver to the kids. Love wins. Love always wins. And that's a fact. And even if I had a small moment of doubt, if love wins or not, y'all show me. As far as the perpetrator, Michael has his suspicion of who might be behind the damage and has shared them along with some potential evidence with the detective involved. The incident is being investigated as a hate crime. Michael has spent most of his life in East Tennessee and says this was the first time he had ever experienced an act of hate. From sharing this horrible experience, a lot of people have reached out to Michael and his family to send words of support and kind messages. It's overwhelming to know that people care. But Michael is still worried. In the end, the tone of this country has done 180. Hello. Um, we have Michael Quinton on the phone with us from Tennessee. Uh, thank you, Michael, for being with Blooming Out tonight. We appreciate your time with us. And uh, and how you doing? Doing all right. Thank you guys for having me. No, it's uh, our pleasure. And um, so how are things going? So this happened when? Uh, July 6th. So we're a little, what, three weeks? from yeah so now. yeah so um so you know you have uh two sons and and this was kind of something just right out of the blue this wasn't um necessarily you weren't having issues with anyone was this you were blindsided with this definitely blindsided i'm uh i like to think i'm a pretty good guy um and surround myself with pretty good people so we were definitely blindsided by it so you had mentioned that you might have an idea of, of who this might be. Um, have has anything uh, you know came up? Uh, has the cops came and spoke? Or police officers, I should say, came and, and spoke to you and, and and have a lead on on maybe what had happened. They they did follow up uh, with the information I gave them, and earlier last or this past week, um, the detective had let reached out to me and let me know that himself and a TBI. Uh, investigator had went out to some addresses but they couldn't confirm that uh the people i suspected or person i suspected lived there and uh, as far as we know they actually live out of state so it makes it a little bit more worrisome because now we just don't know right I'm, I'm guessing maybe uh the the police are driving by your house occasionally just to make sure everything's okay yeah they uh it took them a little bit to um for the detective to get in contact with me after this happened i think it was 
maybe six days, but uh, oh, okay. maybe because of some of the attention uh, that was attracted through social media, they uh, got on the ball a little bit about it. Okay, so a- initially, did you call it in as a, a you know, we, we can't say the words that were, um, yeah. um, you know, carved into your car, but they were very offensive, um, and probably some of the most offensive words that you could call a gay person. People can kind of guess what that might be. Um, so when you had called in to the police department initially, um, they just kind of took a statement and didn't follow up with anything at that point. Well, the, uh, when I, when I called it in, um, I did have an officer that came out to the house within maybe 15, 20 minutes. Okay. 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 And so, um, and then with that, so just as far as with the investigation and, and everything, um, then, then it took a little time for that to to start up so um kind of tell a little bit about yourself um you're a father of two um you live in a how how big is your town uh it's well i I don't have a population Uh, you can give me a (laughs) guesstimation you have a more than three (laughs) yeah definitely more than three a lot of cows too okay (laughs) so it's is that fairly rural yeah uh it's uh definitely rural um uh, mostly, I would say red. It's a red county, but uh, right. regardless of it being red or blue, there's a lot of good people in that county. Right. Okay. So, um, as far as uh, you know, I, I know what some of the trauma had been that you know your your children and you know I was reading um, stuff that you had put on Facebook and social media that um, the kids and yourself have been having difficulty sleeping at night and there's some you know they're they're scared they don't know who did this and you're obviously upset because you don't know who did this um and if it's one time it's still one too many um how how are the kids doing uh you know kids are resilient um but i think my youngest continues to struggle more than myself and my oldest son um it's just it's hard for him to uh process um things like this or change or something that uh, is not consistent. Um, not having that car out front, um, it really it bothers him. Uh, and knowing that someone did that and asking questions, uh, is that going to happen again? And me trying to reassure that, that that's not going to happen. I won't let something like that happen again. Right. Yeah, how did the conversation go with your kids? Like, at first, I'm sure, as I think you were saying, is that you – weren't sure how to deal with it. Did you tell them explicitly what happened or just kind of that you were targeted just randomly or it has to do with who you are as a person? No, uh, when we came home and discovered that, um, of course, I contacted the police department. Um, my mom actually lives not too far away, and um, I decided like, I needed her to come over and hang out with the kids inside because I didn't want them to come out at that time to see it because they didn't notice it when we pulled in. Um, and then after all that was said and done, we had uh, a conversation uh, with the help of my mom, and we kept it age appropriate for them. But um, it's pretty much the message is there's people that do bad stuff to good people. And, uh, you know, we don't need to be scared. We don't need to hate. Uh, we need to try our best to forgive. Uh, and sometimes it's hard, but we can't stop loving each other or loving other people because of something like this happening to us. Yeah, and something like this is kind of like the boogeyman in some ways that, you know, you don't know who did it. 
it's you know that that's kind of one of the scarier things it's different if somebody not different it's it's you know but when somebody does it in your face or at least you have you know a name to attach to it um absolutely when you have something that happens that you know just randomly and it, it appears um sometimes that's a lot more frightening than actually having someone cuss you out maybe in person um and 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 i could see how that's so difficult for a family but it sounds like you have a very very positive attitude about this you know um and you know i think that's going to carry you and the kids so far that uh you know you'll be able to obviously beat this and you know the community as you had said have uh you know has have backed you and it sounds like your work has you know supported you by giving you a loaner car right well uh i'm fortunate and blessed that uh, in the position i'm in with work that i do drive uh, a vehicle okay they give me to get to and from work and uh, uh they're very understanding and so they understand i have baseball practice to get the boys to doctor's appointments therapy appointments med appointments all this stuff and so they're like you do what you got to do and then of course, they've offered for me to just buy the car right out, which is a huge blessing for us to do that. Right. So you put a um, a, a GoFundMe page, right, um, to help you purchase a uh, another car. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. So the car was totaled, right? Uh, yeah, it totaled it out. Yeah, I can't believe that. So um, are, are you getting close to, you know, uh, collecting the amount of money you need to be able to purchase yeah, a car? Yeah, and we're actually a little bit over oh, full, um, but... Uh, we have a little problem because I, uh, I, I don't want to live in that current place uh, that we reside in just because of um, this is a reminder for the kids. So uh, I've been actively seeking to uh, uh, get us away from there, but still keep the kids in the same school, mm-hmm. still near family that helps us out tremendously. So I uh, actually uh, was fortunate enough, again, to be uh, approved for a USDA loan. So right now um, that no money can go out my bank account um, right looking at all that stuff but uh also the car that we're driving right now is not available to purchase or get the title on until the end of august first of september okay so it kind of we got a 30-day window right there okay well that's sounds good i mean you know it sounds like everything is kind of falling in place where it needs to and you know you know out of uh lemons you make uh lemonade and it sounds like you you're <laughs> definitely doing it um, and you know, I we, we hear all at the station um, at Blooming Out, and wish you the best of luck. And um, yes, absolutely, hopefully that they catch this individual or individuals, and um, just stay strong and keep being the awesome father that you're being. Um, the kids uh, are lucky to have you. So thank you for being with us, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully I'll see you on Facebook. <laughs> awesome, thank you guys. <laughs> okay, thank right, you, Michael. You- Please excuse us as we put this discussion on hold as Lucas, our engineer, updates our weekly events calendar and we take a music break with our featured artist, Speedy Ortiz. Taking a look over the community calendar for this week. Um, let's see, August 2nd. Um, your trans best friend, Ask Me Anything. Um, this is a meet and greet uh let me be your trans best friend. Come drop into room 1C at the Monroe County Main Library. Ask me any question or tons of questions you have about transgender and intersex people. Um, I will answer to the best of my abilities given my 43 years as an intersex trans female and 21 years as an out trans woman. Um, so that is August 2nd at the Monroe County Public Library. 
Um, now we're going to take a music break.
Welcome back to Blooming Out. We are happy to have Jeffrey M. Roth in his new role as the Vice President and Chief Development Officer of the Damien Center. Prior to Roth joining the Damien Center, he worked for the American Library Association in Chicago, Illinois, and has had experience with other community-based service organizations over the course of his 13 years in philanthropy, including prior employment with the Damien Center from 2006 to 2008. Roth received his BS in Arts Administration from Butler University and holds a Master of Arts in Philanthropic <laughs> Studies from the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy at Indiana University. As Indiana's largest HIV care and prevention agency, the Damien Center serves over 1,200 people annually who are living with HIV with a highly effective one-stop shop approach to care. They serve thousands more through free testing, education, outreach, and cutting-edge medical interventions for those at highest risk to prevent new infections. Thank you, Jeffrey, for being with us tonight on Blooming Out. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so wonderful. So this is your second time at the Damien Center? It is my second time. I loved it so much I had to come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, hello, um, Jeffrey. This is Frankie, and we have... Uh, Kevin, Grant. So there's four of us here, so we're gonna bombard you. I mean, you. Justin, of course. Oh, and ju yeah, Justin, sorry, yes. Justin was uh, <laughs> he was introducing you. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you, this is your uh, second time around. Yes, it is. Yeah, I originally started, you know, like you said, 2006, and took a little bit of a breather and moved up to Chicago for a while. But I am back in town and very excited to be working with the Damien Center. So are you a Hoosier boy? I am. I grew up in Northwest Indiana, so I'm a region rat. No, the region. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got a couple of those. Um, well, well, great. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, in the Damien Center and you know, kind of what your role is now? Is is this a new role, or is this uh, are you taking over for someone? I actually am taking over for someone. The role of chief development officer is there's always a development director for any nonprofit usually, and I uh, stepped into this position at the end of May. And um, what I'm doing here is really trying to help people understand what the Damien Center is and, and who we serve. Because I think right now there's a lot of um, uh, people just don't know a lot about HIV anymore, or they do, but they don't. They, it's not yeah. as important as anymore. There's, there's people who are getting new infections. There's people who are living with us on a day-to-day -day basis. But people are living longer and living healthier lives. So we've kind of taken a backseat to more um, exciting and more thrilling things. So what we're trying to do here is really showcase there are still a lot of things that need to happen, especially with people who are um, having to deal with HIV on a regular basis, either from infection or um, living with somebody who may be affected or, or could be infected at some point in their life. So my job here is to really take our mission and take it to the masses and make sure people understand who we are, what we do, and what we can do to help people. So, Jeffrey, what is the Damien Center, and what is this mission that uh, you're talking about? Yeah, the Damien Center, like you said, is Indiana's oldest and largest um, AIDS service organizations. We call them ASOs. And the Damien Center has been around for uh, 31 years, and we are probably um, one of the original ASOs across the country. What we try to do is really help people live healthier and happier lives with dignity. Um, and that could be anybody who is infected with HIV, anyone who's at risk of contracting HIV, and then, like I said, also dealing with the... Um, 
the many things you have to deal with when you're an HIV-infected person. So there's a lot of health care that goes into what we do. We want to be a leading resource and provider of HIV care and also advocate for continuing education as well as continuing funding for HIV. So um, it started out as a faith-based organization? It did, yeah. Our founder was an Episcopal minister, and um, Earl Connor, he, he saw what was happening in the United States, uh, in Indianapolis, and thought, well, we really need to do something to, to solve this problem, to really help the people that are, are having to deal with the AIDS crisis. So um, he was working a lot with community groups that were here in the city that were kind of helping, but there was no necessarily um, uh, coordinated a, a effort between all of them. So he opened up um, the Damien Center in 1987, and although it was a faith-based organization in the early stages, we have moved away from any sort of uh, faith affiliation, though we do welcome everybody who could have a faith, uh, any sort of religious uh, inkling, but for the most part, we are just kind of our own organization now. So you support 50 employees, is that right? Yeah, about 50 employees. Uh, most of our employees work in either care coordination or in our medical clinic, Damien Cares. Um, most of the employees are focused on serving our clients. That's so. Um, so, what's the the direction right now? What's kind of the big, um, you know, where's the energy right now that you guys are focusing in? I guess from now to the end of the year. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, I think pri- uh, right now we're really pushing our prep and prevention programs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have heard about prep, um, but they don't exactly know what it is. So, our main goal right now is to talk about what it means to be on prep. So. Um, PrEP is a, is a one-pill-a-day um, treatment that you can take that will help you not get HIV. So if you are living a risky lifestyle or involve yourself in risky activities, you can start PrEP, or really anyone can take it. You don't have to have a, a lifestyle that puts you at risk. And like I said, it's one pill a day. Um, as long as you take it on a consistent basis, you will be 99% protected from contracting HIV. And also we want to talk to people about getting tested because we want to make sure that people are knowledgeable about what their lives are like and if they do become infected, what we can do to help them treat their illness as well as stop the spread to other people. Right. Well, with the um, issue with uh, the opiate issues um, right now, just, you know, I know within our community in Bloomington, um, you know, it's just out of control. And I can just imagine what you guys are dealing with a little up north in Indianapolis right now. So, um, you know, going out and testing, is uh, you have mobile testing sites, I'm assuming? Uh, we do. So we have a testing site here at the Damien Center, and that's open uh, during our business hours and then the first and third Saturday of every month. And then the second and fourth Saturday, we do testing at some of our Walgreens partners across the city. And is the testing free? Jeffrey? It is, yeah, free and anonymous, so you are confidential, so you can come in, you don't need an appointment, you can just walk in, say you're here for an HIV test, they'll, um, it's actually um, a, a fairly newer, I would say, test than what most people are used to, so it's just a finger prick, we call oh. it, it's an INSTI test, and the test will give you results within 60 seconds. So no band-aids or anything afterwards? Uh, you might need a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a Scooby-Doo one, I feel, Justin. What, yeah, Scooby-Doo one, yes. Um, what... <coughs> Are there any age limits? Um, does somebody have to have, uh, you know, parental permission or anything? Um, if they were under age, or, you know, a teenager? 
Yeah, you can come in at, at, at uh, I want to say it's 13, I could be wrong, it could be 14, but mm-hmm. anywhere between 13 and 14, you can come and get a test without parental consent. Okay. We will test for HIV, all STIs, hepatitis C, and um, uh, yeah, those are the, the ones that we test for. So there's no cost to any of that? Nope, no cost at all. If, if there's any sort of treatment, we can set you up a treatment as well. We do have a clinic here, so we, we have doctors and nurse, nurse practitioners on site, so if you are... Uh, positive for any STD, we can help get you treated for that. And then all of our prep patients and all of our clients can actually use our clinic for primary care services as well. So do you need to be a resident of Indianapolis or um, is this open to anybody that happens to live in Indiana or in the United States? I mean, really anyone can walk through our doors and do an HIV test. So, and and as far as, um, would that include the STI test as well? Yep. Yep. So, so all that. So, um, so uh, w- kind of tell us, you know, where you uh, you touch as far as you know who the communities that you serve. Yeah, I mean, this is a common misconception, I think, too, is we serve everybody. Okay. There's no, there's no one that we're going to turn away from our doors. We we want to make sure that this is a welcoming environment, and we do want to serve as many people as we can. So we serve all ethnicities, all religions people from all sorts of um, sexual backgrounds. We want people to come in, feel welcome, and use our services without any sort of uh, stigma or um, discrimination. We will work with everybody. So I know you're in Indianapolis, but, um, you know, do you actively go out, you know, outside of the Indianapolis area and and work with people? People. Yeah, we do actually. Um, you know, this is we do focus on Marion County and the, the the donut counties, but we do have a program called Popular Opinion Leaders, and the POL program will actually, if you're interested, come out and work with you to help train your staff and anyone who's interested to learn more about HIV prep and prevention services. So we will on occasion travel outside of the central Indiana area. It's not often, but we are open to working with people who request our assistance. Cool. Okay. It's time for us to take our last music break. Please don't skip out on us. We'll be right back with the rest of our interview with our guest, Jeffrey Roth of the Damien Center. Take it away, Lucas.
Welcome back to Blooming Out. We are back with our guest, Jeffrey Roth, the Vice President and Chief Development Officer of the Damien Center. Let's, up, let's pick up where we left off. So, Jeffrey, I have a question. So let's say I want to come in and um, talk about prep. Do I have to make an appointment, like a consultation? Can I just walk in? And then also, is it going to be um, a cheaper process than going to my family doctor um, who might maybe isn't prescribing it or doesn't know as much about it as obviously the Damien Center does? Like, it looks like we're kind of waiting for uh, Jeffrey to come back on the air. <laughs> so, so uh, are you there, Jeffrey? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Did you hear uh, Grant's question? You did about prep. And yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I guess they didn't have you on the mic. So okay. we're like a little dead air. We don't like that in radio, but it happens. Okay. Um, yeah, so if, if you do want to call in advance, that's kind of preferred because the prep – um, intake does take a little bit of time. However, um, if you come in and you ask about prep and you're, you're just a walk-in, we can help you as well. So there's no um, requirement, um, but it will take a little bit of time just because we want to talk to you, figure out if prep's the right situation for you, and if so, then we can work with you to get the prescription filled um, and then also talk about um, how to afford it because prep can be a little bit pricey, but we do have options to help with payment and also filing with your insurance. So for people with or without insurance could go in because, you know, you hear people, well, you got insurance, so you don't need to, to go to the Damien Center and go to your primary physician. But you guys, I mean, you know, have uh, a lot more knowledge. Um, we, we were just talking about this at one of our shows is that I had a, uh, a friend that I was helping with the, you know, I went in and support uh, to, to talk with the physician about them going on prep. And the physician actually had no clue. Um, ab- about what the, the med even was. Uh, he had to look it up on his phone and yeah. I had, had wow. to educate him a little bit. He's a family, pri- a nice guy. I want to say the doc is a nice guy, but it's not the population, you know, so I guess we can't always assume that, you know, your primary is going to know. And, and there was almost a moment where the primary was um, going to talk um, him out of uh, going on prep. Um, because he was like, this is for only, you know, really high-risk people, and I don't know if you fall within that. So what, what kind of information or what would you tell somebody that, you know, okay, you know, with what I just explained, you know, they're saying, well, my, my physician says, you know, that's not important for me to be on it because I'm not, you know, in, in a high risk, and what does that mean? What's high risk? Yeah, um, we see this a lot, actually, and we hear about it a lot, where some primary care physicians are just not as knowledgeable and prep as, um, we would prefer them to be, but I think this is just part of the education. PrEP's only been out since 2012, and, you know, it's slowly becoming more popular in, in places that aren't necessarily like New York, L.A., and Chicago, which have a lot more of a higher gay population. Um, and that's not to say that PrEP is only for gay people, but I think part of it is that doctors just don't know. So when you go into your primary care doctor and, and they're not as knowledgeable about PrEP or the steps it takes to get to uh, to taking prep because you do have to come in every three months for a blood test that tests for a lot of different things, not just STIs but also liver and kidney function. So, you know, if if your primary care doctor does not know about prep, that's the time where you could suggest for them to reach out or connect them to a place like the Damien Center where we can actually come out and talk to that doctor about what prep is, why prep's important, and what are the steps to get people on prep. If your doctor is unwilling or um, 
doesn't want to put you on prep for whatever reason, that's when you can come into us for sure. We will take anybody who has insurance, doesn't have insurance, has insurance that's not that great. We can work with you to get prep in your hands um, and help you pay for it. Yeah, I I've, I've understand there's a lot of different avenues to go, um, but you'll see. I mean, that's what I when I talk to individuals about going on and and, and you know being a, a college town here in, in Bloomington. Um, sometimes you know students don't have the best insurance; they're not on their parents' plan, or their parents don't have the best uh, insurance to cover. Um, and they're like, you know, I can get started on this, but you know, long term, staying on it. Um, you know, I, I understand. W- what kind of suggestions do you give then? Are are you able to help a person through the whole you know process that they will be able to stay on it? Yeah, yeah. So one of the one of the concerns that a lot of people have is cost because it is a, it's a pricier pill to take. Um, without insurance, it's a couple hundred dollars. You know, and for a thirty month supply, you know, you have to kind of pony up for it. But even without insurance, we have a program here, and a lot of ASOs have this same situation where they can help you afford the the payments and also keep you on track with the testing that you have to take every three months. Um, one of the nice things, uh, Gilead, who is the maker of Chivata, which is the pill you take when you're on prep, um, they have a discount card that helps pay for the copays. Um, the cards will either get you down to zero or to a very low out-of-pocket expense for your monthly supply. And we, we can help you navigate that whole situation. If you don't have any insurance, we can help um, either get you on Medicaid or set you up with one of the payment cards so you can take it. And then we also work with you uh, to remind you to come in for those, uh, those uh, testing that you need to do and then also to fill your prescription. So there's really no reason to, to not. Um, you know, if you feel like that you're a candidate for pre- a candidate to prep for prep, um, that you know, go go. You know, if you're not comfortable talking to your physician, ah, <laughs> um, that you guys can definitely uh, help them with uh, any kind of uh, information and walking them through so they can feel confident that they'll be able to stay on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's it, you can't go wrong on prep. There, the there are side effects like as any medication has, but they're very minimal compared to what the long-term effects of HIV could be, obviously. Um, it's a pill that we can easily help you pay for. We can help you navigate the system. If you, you know, there's a lot of stigma about PrEP that it's only for people who have risky sex, and that's not necessarily true. We want everyone to feel safe and confident in their in their sexual lives, and if PrEP is going to get you there, then we're more than willing to work with you to, to make it happen for you. Well, that's great. Now, Jeffrey, um, we've heard that you have the Grand Masquerade happening. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so our largest fundraiser of the year is the Grand Masquerade. This year it's on October 20th, and it's going to be here at the Indianapolis Downtown Marriott. Um, we're super, super excited. We actually just formally announced today that Ross Matthews is going to be our special guest entertainer for the evening. Huh. Um, if you watch Drag Race, I think you've seen Ross, and I'm super excited to have him. It's going to be a great event, and it, it, it's going to sell out, so we need for you to buy your tickets today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, and, and, and what's the date on that again? October 20th. It's a Saturday. Okay. That's so wonderful. what's the cost on the tickets? Um, general admission tickets are $150. We do have VIP tickets that are $200, which gets you into a pre-reception. Um, you know, either ticket option is going to be really great for you. There's a silent auction. We have a really great live auction with some super fun items that I think people are going to really enjoy. And again, you know, having Ross there to really spice up the evening is going to be super fun. So is this, uh, are we dressing up in tux? It's a black tie event. Um, you can come in costume if you want, and we always do uh, suggest wearing a mask. 
So um, we only have a couple minutes, but is this the the big fundraiser that you guys uh, put on yearly? Um, I'm sure you do like the AIDS walk as well, right? Um, and is, is yeah, Grand Masquerade is our largest event. We do uh, participate in the AIDS Walk. It's not an event that we necessarily host, but we're always looking to do things in the community like the AIDS Walk. We participate in Indie Pride as well. Um, another event that we host throughout Indianapolis is in April, and that's Dying Out for Life. Um, that's probably the easiest event to attend. It doesn't really cost you any money, although you do have to go out and eat dinner. So that's the cost of your of your participation. Um, it's I, I want to say it's April 25th in 2019. And, again, that's just a really super fun event. You go out, you have dinner with your friends, and a portion of your meal goes right back to the Damien Center to support our, our services. That's great. And we're that's almost great. out of time, but I want uh, to let you shout out your, your address, you know, uh, website, uh, how people can get a hold of you, um, and phone number. Yeah, so our address is 26 North Arsenal Avenue, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46201. The number here is 317 317- Six three two zero one two three. Feel free to reach out to me. My email address is jroth at damien.org, or feel free to visit our website damien.org. Um, there you can find out more about our services, find out more how to get on prep or testing, and then of course you can buy your tickets for Grand Masquerade. Awesome. That's well, we're fun. out of time. Um, before we go, let's take a few moments and thank our amazing guest Jeffrey Roth. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we look forward to talking to you uh, in the future, and, and we definitely appreciate you coming on with us. Um, and so thank you mm-hmm. to the, the Damien Center. And we'll have all that information um, on our website uh, so people want to get a hold of you. Additional thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers to making this possible. I'm Kevin Mosenzade. I'm Grant Rollins. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Our trusted intern is Jasper Tony. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Frankie Presloff. And remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from our Blooming Out family. Stay queer.